Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, for tuning in. Always grateful. Yeah, things are exciting as far as the podcast goes. We've uh, been on a couple of shows lately. Uh, we did the Enjoying Your Blended Family podcast, the which B-fams. was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And, you know, we just kind of ever expanding. It's been really cool to see our audience grow and see people listen to us all over the U.S. and Canada and places in Europe. It's just been really cool to see the woman who edits our podcast today just sort of like helped remind me of the fact that like, you know, there's a lot of people obviously that are enjoying this and are getting something out of this. Yeah, that's all we can hope for. Yeah, and that there's a big need out there that this is a big part of our like public health sector um, that just we don't have a lot of stuff that's just focused on helping people have a great relationship, helping people feel connected. And it's just great to to see that people want it, you know, not just for, you know, the fact of what we're doing, but also that people are out there seeking having a better relationship. And my heart feels very happy that we can do this and provide resources and our own experiences and the experience that we have working with couples and really try to Help as many people as we can. Support. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think today it's, I mean, every topic we talk about is very near and dear to our hearts. This is a big one that I want to say almost all couples go through. And it's really, you know, the topic today is staying connected during intimacy struggles. Yeah. And it's an important one because, again, like I said, a lot of people, if not all couples, go through intimacy struggles. They all look different. We all get through them or not get through them. And we really want to share our experience and what we've seen that has been very healing in our own relationship in addition to a lot of the couples that we work with. I mean, it feels like in a lot of ways that all roads lead to intimacy. You know, like I know like we were meeting with a couple the other night And they're a couple who's done a ton of work. They're feeling more connected. They're resolving conflict better. And then when we sort of did our check-in, it came down to intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And they still sort of were like, oh, like this is- They're still blocked. Yeah. It was like kind of like once we started talking about that, it was like we hit sort of this like stickiness, you know? And I I feel like the very first thing we really want to do is normalize that almost every couple struggles with intimacy. It's okay. It's a really hard thing to talk about. It's confusing how to talk about it. And it's one of the most vulnerable subjects. And one of the most vulnerable experiences is being intimate with another partner. Yeah. I mean, I remember it always sticks out to me, a podcast we did a while ago with with a sex therapist, Jessa Zimmerman, and we said kind of what we just said, like, oh, almost all couples. And she stopped us and she said, no, every couple. Every couple. Every couple struggles with intimacy issues. And that's just like, uh, I don't know, that, that felt sort of like overwhelming, but at the same time, like it felt very like, Ah, like on a personal level, it felt like, oh, okay. Like every couple struggles with this. I mean, what's good about hearing that, Tara, about hearing like, oh yeah, every couple struggles with this? Well, so just hearing that, I could take a deep breath and be like, I'm not alone. We're not alone. 
you know, that this is something we see universally, globally, and that there are ways to build skills because that's what we're needing, skills to learn how to do intimacy in healthy ways, how to talk about it, how to share our experience. And that's really difficult because we just want it to kind of be good. We don't want to have to learn these skills. Like, no, like this should just be happening. But we know it doesn't. Yeah. I think both couples and oftentimes therapists as well, we have this assumption that like, hey, if we clean up our communication, we get better at resolving issues, or we we deal with our stressors better in life, or if we do, if we do all of these other things, then the intimacy will just like it'll just fall into place. And what we're realizing more and more, what we're experiencing in our own relationship, how we're helping couples is that's just not that it has to be just like you're going to go right in and look at how your negative core beliefs from your childhood are affecting you in arguments and mm. how you're going to create healthy boundaries with your kids, that you go right in and you and you address that issue, that you have to do that with intimacy as well, that you you can't just sort of like wait for it to sort of organically correct itself. Yeah, and so maybe uh, kind of moving into this next piece is like, what do we see? What are the dynamics that we see when couples feel stuck and they're having a really difficult time navigating their intimacy struggles? Because we, you know, we see a lot of different dynamics, but they all are very similar in theme. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we sort of, we had a whole two part series about this a while ago called High Frisky and Low Frisky. And I think the number one dynamic that has lots of, lots of splinters and lots of things underneath it and different sort of subcategories of it, but is just like a differentiation in sex drive is that, you know, one person has a higher libido than the other one. I think that's like kind of the most significant issue we see, right? That is because under that, like you said, it splinters off. There can be a lot of rejection experienced when this is happening. There can be a lot of shame experienced when this is happening. And it's really understanding. It's not really the high desire, low desire partner. That's the dynamic. But it's the process of how you're understanding each other in that dynamic so that you don't keep reinforcing shame or feelings of rejection because it's the feelings of shame and rejection that keep couples pulled apart. But if you can really be vulnerable with your partner about that shame and rejection, you know, on both sides, low frisky and high frisky, that is where healing begins. That's where a deeper level of connection with intimacy begins. Yeah, because I mean, so the whole topic for today is like, how do you stay connected with your partner during intimacy struggles, right? And the very byproduct of when you are having a struggle with intimacy with your partner is that it's super disconnecting, mm -hmm. right? That each person is having a completely different experience. One person is the one who's just like, you know, not feeling it, having a difficult time connecting in that way with their partner. The other person is a person who's like pursuing or, or is feeling that desire and is feeling rejected. And the very nature of that dynamic pulls people apart. 
And so what, what we need to, to address is like, how do you stay connected during that, right? Like, how do you not let the very like sort of structure of that struggle just pull you apart, whether it's quickly mm. or slowly? Yeah, how do you do that, EJ? <laughs> how do you do that? We're still, you know, we still move through our own intimacy struggles, but I feel like we're doing it so much more gracefully and it feels so much safer than it ever has. And so I think maybe sharing our experience in our own relationship and then kind of piggybacking that with some of the successes we've seen with the couples that we've worked with over the years and how they've been able to manage that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we've realized in going through this ourselves is it's a lot more complex than I think we originally saw it as. You know, we, we were always looking for like sort of, and I think you, I think couples do this with a lot of issues, but you're looking for like a, a one source problem, you know, that's like, you know, we went through like, well, it's just because of the kids, it's just because, you know, mm. we, you just had kids and your energy is going so much into, into the children or it's, oh, it's about us feeling disconnected or it's a hormone thing or it's me and I'm so withdrawn. And I think one of the things is realizing like it is a, you know, having a healthy, loving, connected, intimate relationship comes from like an awareness of a lot of different things, right? And we're still like figuring that out. Like, why has that been a struggle? So kind of revisiting the dynamics that we see, you know, under the intimacy struggles, which is the shame, which is the rejection, which is a sense of responsibility. And if you already are feeling a struggle in your relationship with communication around topics like chores, how in the heck do you get to talking about shame and rejection and this sense of responsibility or this insecurity piece? And so, you know, it's really important that communication starts to build in a healthy way before you really get into talking about intimacy? Yeah, because I mean, if it is a sort of multifaceted struggle, you have to have a sort of a foundation of being able to communicate well, of being able to communicate in a way that feels safe. That like Tara said, like if we're struggling to just communicate about parenting issues, if we're struggling just to communicate about distribution of labor in our house, like how in the world are we going to communicate about intimacy? Right. So then couples come in and they just feel like there's nothing that can help. There's nothing that can change. And we really say, no, like we're going to really support you in building some healthy communication skills to understanding process over content. And we're going to really help get you to this place where we can deepen your intimacy, you know, but you do have to start building the openings to healthier communication and understanding because one of the biggest things with developing a healthier intimacy in your relationship is that your guards are down so you can be vulnerable. And when we see couples in conflict or having intimacy struggles, their guards are up, right? And so we have to find ways to support each other, our individual selves and our partner, like how do we soften so we can really 
address this. And because I, I mean, what I've seen for myself, for us, for other couples, it's like couples want to have a really healthy sex life. Like most people do, but it's been so dampened with poor communication, misunderstanding, getting locked into perspectives, feeling so rigid that I don't even know if people can see what they would really want in a healthy, intimate relationship because they're still so like frustrated or angry. And Yeah, I think a, a big piece of awareness when a couple is first starting to say, hey, this is, a, this is a struggle we're having. We're having intimacy issues. We're not feeling connected in that way is the empathetic realization that neither partner is in an enviable place. Because I think what we tend to think in that moment is like, why can't my, you know, one partner, like, why can't they just be patient? And why can't they just understand? And why they, can't they just like love me fully, even though this isn't happening right now? And then the other person is like, why can't they just connect with me in that way? And we tend to think like whatever side of it we're on is like the worst side to be on. Would you say that that's, that's the way you've felt over the years, Tara, is like that your side is sort of the most difficult one to be on? I definitely felt like more of the victim. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Because again, maybe we can kind of go into our dynamic. That would be helpful because we can share what we've done. But the dynamic in our relationship, and if you listen to Low Frisky, High Frisky, it's laid out very clearly, was EJ is the higher desire partner, the higher frisky man in our relationship. And I used to be, but after having kids, it literally like evaporated. And so I became the low sexual, low frisky partner. And to me, I was mad at you for having it. I'm like, well, because I want to have it. Well, A, I was mad at you for having it because then I felt like, well, here's just something else I have to do now outside of just parenting and work and all of that stuff. So that was one piece of it. I was almost like resentful because I took it on like, oh, no, now it's a responsibility. It's a task. It's a chore. Oh, I feel like overwhelmed by this. And then the other piece was like, I felt so confused and upset that my desire went away. And so I did, I felt like mine was like the bigger issue. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I definitely sense that. And I think like, I think I kind of like, you know, kind of yo-yo back and forth between like understanding because I know you like on an intellectual level, I'm able to be like, oh yeah, this is super hard for her. And if she could just flip a switch, she would flip that switch. Like, I think I'm able to connect with that. But then on like the sort of like more emotional, more vulnerable side, there's that rejected part of the partner who's the higher frisky person that's like, that's the part that gets really like, no, I'm the victim. I'm the one who's got the short end of the stick over here. And so as again, to our topic of how do you stay connected? Well, if both of you think like you're the victim mm. and that the other person just needs to flip a switch, mm -hmm. either like, I just got to turn my thing off and like deal or she's got to turn her thing on and join the party. <laughs> like, that's no way to stay connected, right? Absolutely not. And we were in it for years. I mean, we were in it for years. We still get trapped in it sometimes, but we recognize it very quickly. But I would say 
again, this is our experience and all the couples we work with, like that is a significant piece of the block in intimacy is what you just said, is we get stuck in our own suffering and we feel like we are suffering more and that's when we lose all insight and compassion and understanding of why it's actually happening and we get lost in the content. Well, and it's and it's so interesting, right? Because that is also the one of the very first components we work with a couple about whatever their problem is, is empathy. Like if you're not empathetic with your partner, like if you can't acknowledge their suffering, if you can't acknowledge that where they are in this relationship is very difficult and very painful, then it's hard to get to resolution. It's it's hard to feel connected. So I think, you know, what we're coming to in the first phase of this conversation of how do you stay connected with your partner when you're struggling with intimacy, when you're rebuilding your intimate relationship mm-hmm. is find a way to be empathetic to them. And so how do you, I mean, how the heck do we tell people how to do that? Like, how do you cultivate empathy? Like, how did you become empathetic to my place in in this dynamic? I think that you and I got to a place where the way we're going about it was not sustainable for me. And I, I could not continue in this relationship the way it was. And I didn't want us to suffer anymore. I didn't want our family to suffer And I feel like for me, it just reached like, I have to find a way to feel and do this differently because whatever this feeling of stuck victim is, is definitely not working. And then I have to find a way to let EJ know how vulnerable this really feels for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember a conversation where you said, and it and it took me a second to really sink in in a in like an actionable way. But you were like, "Look, I'm working on this, but this is what is. And if you can't accept that, yeah, then then there's going to be a problem here. And and that for me, you know, that was really big because I because I was like, okay, what's important to me? I mean, yes, like having a you know healthy, intimate sexual relationship is r- important, but it's not everything. And I have to trust that what she's saying that she's working on us and that, that she wants this, and we're going to work on this together. I have to trust. Okay, like this is something we're working on. But then I had to also resource. Like, okay, what else is really wonderful about our relationship, and and what's really wonderful about what we're building together, and and, and what we have together, and what are other ways that, that we can connect. Yeah. Like, I had to sort of hear that. That that's a hard thing, I think, though, for a lot of people who are on the high frisky side is because sometimes it's been going on a very long time. You know, we'll have couples where it's been like, it's been five years, it's been 20, 10, it's, yeah. 20, yeah. And so they they can't resource that trust that it's gonna change. I mean, so, right. So for us, we, I think we both hit a low individually just feeling so alone in it. And I think because, in our profession and because we love each other and we respect each other, we stayed very open and intentional around moving forward, but that it was gonna take time, that it is not, it does not happen overnight, that it takes a lot of trial and error, but that when you see both people working towards that, that's enough right there to 
keep hope that maybe it could be different. Like if I would have said to you like, yeah, I'm just not like a high sexual person right now, like deal, that would be one thing, but I didn't. I cried. I said, this is so hard. I said, I want you to be in a really loving relationship where you're getting your needs met right now. I'm just trying to figure this out for myself. And like, I had to have a hard look on like, I have to do my work. And I I think you seeing me do my work, I I don't know, was what kind of helped you be more patient with the process, question mark? Well, I kind of uniting the us and then everybody else out there is that we we have a lifestyle and this is the lifestyle that we're that we're sort of promoting to people who who listen to this podcast who come to our center is that relationship wellness is part of your life it is something you work on on a daily basis right and so because that is our value and we take actions on an everyday basis about this and because we didn't sweep this under the rug like that we consistently talked about it even though it was really difficult Mm -hmm. it created ongoing moments where i saw how hard it was for you and by doing that it continued to soak into me of like, oh, wow, she's not like making a choice. It's not like she's just like got her foot on the brakes and she's just like riding the brakes as hard as she can. This is something that's really difficult for her. And although maybe sometimes that would get overridden by my own sort of like self-centeredness or my own needs and desires, but as we continued to work on it, my level of awareness stayed very present at least episodically, Mm. that this is really hard for her. And so when we come back to the topic of like, how do you stay connected? I think you you either have to be engaged in a process, you have Mm -hmm. to be going to therapy, you have to be reading books together, you have to be consistently talking about it and also listening about it. That's, you know, we had a whole session with a couple the other day where it was like, we were just like grinding through trying to teach this couple how to listen to one another. To validate. It's, it's amazing how much people don't listen to each other and validate, you know, the next step. And so in order to stay connected, you have to be willing to stay in the suffering with each other consistently and hear it and hear uncomfortable things and hear me say things the wrong way and hear you say things the wrong way, that that is what keeps you connected is that you're just, you're continuing to work on it. And we're, and you know, can we be honest here, Tara? I mean, years, you know, working on this for years. And so you can't sweep it under the rug. Like you gotta deal with it. You gotta be able to Mm -hmm. connect about it. I would say for me, the biggest part of our moving forward in it was when I really started to have a voice for me and I really understood my own boundaries better. I really took this sense of responsibility off of me like, oh my God, he's going to want to have sex tonight because we're having a date night. I said, stop that. I mean, I am a caregiver at heart but a caregiver in a way that I would totally like not even know what my own boundaries were. I felt like I didn't have a voice or a choice, but I do. And I'm not saying everyone out there feels like that. This was my own story. But once I really looked at that, I was like, I'm taking this sense of responsibility I have to like please EJ's ferocious sexual desire. Wow. I had no idea I was ferocious. <laughs> like that's, not, I can't, 
take care of that. Like, and I told them, I said, listen, like I, I get it. You have a high sex drive. You think I'm hot and sexy and you want to pounce on me often, but I'm not there and I can't help you with that right now. I'm going to work on really understanding what goes on for me because I don't want to be so upset with you when I feel your sexual energy that I'm just like running and hiding in the bathroom. I said, but like, you need to like find support around your feelings of rejection, or you need to look at that because I keep caretaking you and I'm pulling back because I know my caretaking of you in this moment is absolutely not helping me. It's making me feel more overwhelmed. And then your response was great. You were like, you understood that like, if I didn't go through this own process and have my own understanding of what was going on for me, that this would stay in this really difficult place that we were in. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the sort of when you're in the the weeds of it, you know, like like finding the way to talk about it in a vulnerable way, to not sweep it under the rug, to maybe get some help in talking about it, to realize that your problematic communication skills that pop up while you're playing Yahtzee are definitely going to pop up when you're talking about intimacy. I think the other thing, something you just said triggered in me this idea of like, also like, I know that we both do want the same thing, you know? And that's a thing we talked about couples with, right? That like, that you have to clarify what your goals are, you know, that, that when you get into a cab, you tell them exactly where you want to go, you not what you don't want, right? And that it's not about, I will, I don't want to feel rejected or Tara's side, I, I don't want to feel like there's pressure on me. It's like, I'm confident that you want to be connected in that way. And that's an important part, right? And that's where you might need, a, definitely might need a therapist in like, you know, a couples counselor in making sure that you are on the same page, you know? And, and that doesn't get into the nitty gritty of like, you know, preferences around sex, but just around like, hey, I want to, this component of our relationship is important and we both want to feel connected in this way. And I've always known that that is what you want as well. Absolutely. And I can like, there are so many things. And like you said, so many, what was the word you used? Fragments that can be pieced under intimacy struggles. I mean, self-esteem, trauma, horrible communication, overwhelmed, financial. I mean, there's so many things. But to me, the one thing that kept blocking us was our defenses. And we could not feel safe. And so we felt very alone in it. And when you're alone, especially in such a vulnerable place around like your own sexuality and really intimately connecting with your partner, you just want to continue to like block yourself from it because it feels so sad and definitely not where you ever thought you would be. But you know what? We're here. You got to look at it. You got to say, we are here. This is happening. Did we have years of like being defensive and guarded and like blaming each other and criticizing each other and judging each other? And I would even say, go out and then just go have sex with someone else. Blah, blah, blah. Like um, there are crazy things that came out of my mouth. But we're here and we together are making the choice to feel intimacy, to talk about it 
when our hearts are open, not closed. And so that means you have to work on your defensiveness. You have to even, you can even ask your partner since there are blind spot, right? Like I would tell EJ, like I can feel, you don't have to say anything. I can feel this energy from you. And that automatically makes me want to shut down. He's like, no, I don't. I'm totally accept, no, bullshit. Like we can call each other out on our bullshit because we know each other, right? And I think once you were willing to really be honest with yourself, once I was really able to be honest with myself, that was the first thing that kind of opened up this whole new gateway to a deeper connection is that we both got really good at recognizing if we're defensive right now, if we're blaming, if we're whatever, and we're not honest about it, and we're like making our partner feel like they're crazy that they think we are, like that will do nothing but keep you stuck. If you're really wanting to look at it differently, you have to look at yourself. You have to look at the way you respond and the way you're triggered. Yeah, I think that is, that's a nice sort of wrapping point, I think, is that like everything we do, that your process in staying connected with your partner of having a healthy relationship with your partner does begin a lot with looking right in the mirror. I have to be working through my process of what it's like to be that high frisky partner. I have to look at what it feels like, what my fears are, how I respond in different moments. Like if I'm just dealing with this when there's a, you know, uncomfortable moment between the two of us or I'm just dealing with I'm tr- when I'm trying to like generate some kind of connection between Tara and I, that's not going to work. In order to stay connected with Tara throughout it, I have to be working on it in the in-between time, you know. I have to be really aware of what happens for me and what has happened for me and find healthy, honest, but kind ways to communicate with her about it, to look for the right moments, you know, mm-hmm. to, to notice when she might be more receptive to, to hearing something, to know that talking about it at 11 o'clock at night is probably not a good idea, mm. but <laughs> that doesn't mean it's not a good idea, period. Mm. You know, we, we gotta look inside so that we can open up in that vulnerable way and give our partner the opportunity to be empathetic. Because I can't be empathetic, or it's more difficult for me to be empathetic if you're not opening up to me. Right. So, okay. There's so many steps, and I'm like, ah, what do we say first? But the first thing is really asking yourself, like, what kind of intimacy do I want to feel with my partner? And usually it it leads back to like, you know, when you were first together and like you just had fun together and you were adventurous and you guys were seen and you felt loved and and cared for and there wasn't all this heaviness and all these other stories now that we have in our mind around sex and intimacy. And I think you start there and you most likely will recognize that your intentions and what you want are truly the same that you want to share each other and you want to really embrace each other and you want to be able to have that physical affection, but you don't want to have it with all of the defensiveness, the sense of responsibility, the, so you've got to talk about it. So 
one important thing for me when I said, okay, I have to really be vulnerable. I have to look at myself. I can't caretake EJ. That is not my job. Was like, I had to say like, EJ, I've got to let you know, right? And this is just like a little tool, a little inter- intervention. Like I have to let you know when we have date night, because I have all this like anxiety around like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to have sex now because it's date night. Like it makes me like so nervous that you have this expectation and that shuts me down. And it's really hard for me to even enjoy the present moment of date night. Cause I'm constantly in my head thinking like, oh gosh, am I going to have to have sex tonight or whatever? Not that you've ever forced me in that way. That was my own perception. And when I was able to tell you that this was so important, I hear everyone, I hope everyone listens to this on our next date night. EJ was like, listen, I heard that you get really anxious, right? And I know that one of the biggest things we're working on right now is intimacy. This is, I could cry. I'm going to try not to, but you said like, I want you to know that I have no expectation that I just want to go out and have some time with you and really have some quality time with you together. That made me feel like, A, you're thinking about it and that you're working on yourself around helping support me in my anxiety. And that just made me feel so much closer to you. And it's it was something like, I know it sounds so little, but it was so big. Like, oh my God, he knows that like, this is one of the times where I get really anxious and nervous. And he's letting me know like, it's okay that, that my perception doesn't have to be because he's saying it's not true, Tara. Like, do I want to? Absolutely, of course. But the expectation piece came out. And then that energy for me that felt so scary, that was gone. And then I can just enjoy my date with you. And and then that's so funny because then it makes me just want to be closer to you and like initiate sex in those moments. Not all the time, but because it's reducing the anxiety and the tension that we have put on in our minds around sex and intimacy. We do it. We make it so big and so heavy and so scary and so tense that it's like, no, like that is, we've got to find ways to lighten it. And you supporting me and lightening my anxiety was very helpful, EJ. And it continues to be. What have I done that has been helpful for you? Because again, I'm the low desire partner. So a lot of people listening to this might be the low desire partner. For the high desire partner, like what is it that I do that continues to support you in your healing and deepening our intimate bond? I mean, you, you've consistently found other ways to let me know that you love me. Mm. You know, you've you've sent me. You know, you give me cards that 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 tell me. You know, things that you know that you care about and respect or admire. Um, so you've you've always been good about finding like other ways to let me know. You've become more empathetic, I think, to to my side of it. How? It's hard to like quantify that. Like, just I guess it's maybe that this is hard to say like because I can't help but say it and like what you're not doing it's like I used to feel a lot of anger and resentment Mm. for sort of just being me and that has 
that has depleted. And so that says to me that, because you know I still feel the way I feel, you know, you know I still have, you know, the needs I've, I've, I've had, but they don't seem like as agitating or you are understanding and accepting of them. I mean, I, you know, I think it's just that it's a, I do think you've become more empathetic. I guess that what I'm asking, especially for these higher frisky partners out there is like, how did you become more patient with the process? Cause I've noticed that you did right. And that patience piece and really recognizing like, if I don't have this patience, like Tara's anxiety and my lack of patience are going to keep freaking yeah. knocking heads. Like, how did you do that? I mean, I really focused on what's important to me. Mm. And that's that I love you and I want to be with you and I would never want to lose you. Mm. And that's what's most important. And I don't want this aspect of our relationship to be the thing that fractures it completely. Yeah, I had to like really come to that realization that this is not worth losing her. It's so hard. I hope everyone listening knows that like intimacy struggles will trigger our own deepest pain, our own feelings of abandonment, our own feelings of insecurity. So it's when you're not having the support and you're feeling together in this struggle, it can drive horrible stakes into your relationship. And there are ways we're showing you we are living proof. If you can get together in it and get on the same page and really talk about what this experience is like for you and you teach each other, like I teach EJ, here's what would be helpful right now. He teaches me, this is what would be helpful right now. And the better we get at saying that and the most receptive our partner can be is what they are. That's the the secret ingredient yeah. right there. And you just got to, you, you have to have these conversations over and over and over because it is a trial and error process. You know, there's, you, we've definitely stumbled through these and there's been many conversations we've had that didn't feel good and weren't productive, right. but, but we never, we've never given up. We've only swept it under the rug for brief amounts of time. Right. Even though like, you know, I definitely have avoidant tendencies we've both like said like, no, we're gonna keep, we're, we're just not, we're not quitters, you know? And, no, and I not. think that's the thing is in relationship, you, you, you gotta be, you gotta stick with it. You gotta keep having these conversations. And when you need, you know, when Tara would be like, you gotta go see a therapist and talk about this, or, yeah. or we gotta go see somebody together and talk yeah. about it. Mm. Or we gotta, we gotta make sure we have a date, not, you know, that we just like, right. there, there's never been, you know, a prolonged amount of quit. You know, and, and I think that's the thing is we got to tell you guys is like, this is worth it, but it takes this lifestyle of, of like, we're working on us. It is just as important as the backyard. Yeah. It's, it's as important as the kids. Right. It's as important as my career. Right. Like we are, we're yeah. making time for us. And, you know, we... We have a template, right? We have in our relationship renovation program at our center at home, it's like we have the, let's talk about sex part one, part two, part three, part four. We're actually going to be in the next few podcast episodes, EJ and I are going to kind of be modeling and going through these questions. So you guys are going to be able to have 
this template or if you need to reach out and say, hey, can you just send over that part of, you know, this question, like we want to support you guys because some people don't even know what questions to start asking. And we, we set it up in a way where it just starts to first explore, like, what did we even, what do we even know about sex? (laughs) I mean, we really tried to make it this way where it starts kind of soft and like really getting some history around it all the way to like, Hey, you know, what kind of fantasy do you want? (laughs) And so please reach out. We want to provide any resources that we have to help you really get started with healing the intimacy. Because when it does, and I I am living proof that it feels like I don't have anxiety anymore around our intimacy. Am I still working on my stuff? Absolutely. But it feels so much better And I think that's why I became a therapist. And I think that's why I became a marriage counselor. All of these things, like I've learned so much through my relationship and that there's so much work, amazing work that can be done if you truly can get vulnerable with your partner. And I, I just, if everyone out there could take this next step it's like really feels so freeing. And am I still working on it? Absolutely. Are we still where we want to be? Heck no. But we're, it's so much better than it was. Absolutely. We feel more connected. And that's what's important, right? Like we'll get there in intimacy. We'll, we'll get there it's a, or wherever. I don't know where <laughs> there is, but, you know, but we feel more connected we feel secure, right? At the end of the day, that's the other thing, like, you know, secure, do you feel secure in your relationship? And I think like bouncing back just very quickly to like what you said, like what made the difference for you, EJ, was like, I am finding my path to creating security with you. You feel more secure. I feel more secure. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the path. Yeah. So just, again, the question you want to ask yourself is how can I if you are struggling intimately with your partner, how can I take and lighten this weight and not make this tense and really like be curious about this journey I could be going through with my partner that actually could end up being the most amazing journey I've ever been through. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you again for being a part of this podcast. We appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts. You guys drive us to do this because we know how important it is to have a happy, healthy, connected relationship. Please do us a favor, like leave us a review on Spotify, on Apple. That that would mean a lot. You know, pass on our podcast to a family member, a friend, uh, you know, because the more of your us partner. out here, your partner. <laughs> You know, the more happy, healthy relationships that there are out there, the better this world gets. I mean, relationships, they are the foundation of everything, right? Absolutely. Thank you for listening. I always love when I get vulnerable and a little emotional on our podcast because I just love feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Singing on the train, me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we.